I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 291. Tell them what you asked me the other day about the TikTok with math. Oh, did you see my eyes? I was like, oh, shit, what did I ask you? Because I ask people a lot of shit. But okay, so here's the thing. Before we record, or sometimes after, we'll like, here's our TikToks. You know, that's how we show our love. And Carrie had this TikTok and like, she like just went through it because like she wasn't going to show me it. She had just like liked it. And I was like, no, 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 no. But like, for real, what about this? She was like, you're joking, right? Because it's this girl and she's saying like, she doesn't understand math because why is two plus two four, but two times two four. But I was like, no, that makes sense. But why? How? How is that possible? So Carrie thought I was joking that I was agreeing with this girl. And I'm like, no, for real, that blew my mind when she said that. And so Carrie had to uh, explain it to me like I was a four-year-old. And then I was like, oh, but still. (laughs) Okay, if you have two apples and two apples, together you have four apples. Yeah. Because you added them together. But if you have two orchards that have two apples in them, two... Could see her face. How are you getting this? A whole orchard. If it, but they just have two apples in them each. So well, two times two. That's a terrible orchard. Okay, let's do three times three. It's three three times. Whereas three plus three is six. You do three times three is three three times over. So it's nine. Yeah. So two times two. Is two two times. Yeah, but that's fucking weird. Why is it the same? Because it is the same. But why? Why is that the only number that's like that? One's not like that. Three's not like that. Why does two in the middle have to fuck it up? Because it's still two (laughs) of two things. Don't be logical. Math is stupid. Unless you're a math teacher and, you know, use math all the time and are like are an engineer and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, it's stupid. So I told y'all Colby and I have a sectional and we fucking hate it. Literally thought you were going to say sex, but you said sectional and then you said fucking. And I was like, (laughs) you were all confused. (laughs) What about that orchard? (laughs) We have a sectional sofa and we fucking hate it because you can't clean under it. It's never together. Jax gets excited and knocks one of them over. It's terrible. You can't lay down. I hate everything about it. So we're on a mission to like just take maybe the middle of it out and make a like a long couch out of it and buy two recliners. Let me just tell y'all. Apparently, I am very picky in the recliner realm. It has to rock. Why does nobody want a rocking chair anymore? Wait, they don't have a lot that rock? No. If they do rock, they are so narrow. I'm like, I'm a big girl. Yeah. Look, we were at this one place today, and this guy was helping us. We were looking between these these two different chairs, and he said something about, because one of them, the only one in town that's a chair and a half and a rocking recliner, and he said something. I was like, well, we are like one and a half people each. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. But literally, the only chair in the whole damn town that's a one and a half recliner and rocker. We found one, though, but they just would not come down on the price. They came down a little bit, but they would only come down 12%. 
and I wanted 20 because the people down the street have like a 20% off or buy one, get one 50% off. So you can come off 12%. Yeah. He's like, well, he's giving you 12% on each. I was like, mm, call me when he gets to 20. Because <laughs> the old dude was like leaving, like had his bag on, was like walking out the door. And he's like, he's going to come in tomorrow and I'll talk to him about it again. I was like, okay, let me know. Yeah. Because I'm not doing it. Tomorrow she'll say, okay, we got him. They didn't come down, but he was giving it to us for two of them. <laughs> <laughs> two times two at 12%. That's over 20. Yes. <laughs> that's 22%. <laughs> literally, that's what she's going to say, y'all. No, I don't know. And what really sucks, though, is it's really, like, literally the only recliner that we've liked in about six or eight places we've been. But, like, you can come off that price, though. I know you can. <laughs> if you can come down 12, you can come down 20. Well, they're going to say the same thing to you. I'm not the one trying to sell the chair. Yeah. But you're the one who has one chair that you can buy. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going anywhere. You never know. Well, I'll buy the one and a half one then. That was more expensive. <laughs> one more thing about Colby. He does not have to get tubes. He went to the ENT. He still can't really hear out of that ear because apparently he's got a scab on his eardrum. Ew. I know, but he does not need tubes. So thank you for everybody who reached out on the Facebook group and was like, hey, I had tubes or so-and-so had tubes and this is what it was like. Yeah. My mom saw something about it on Facebook and texted me, does Colby have to get tubes? And I was like, no. She's like, well, I saw on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, that was all over text, but I know that's exactly how she would have said it. Exactly how. So, uh, Tiffany and I were talking about Sinister Sightings. I was like, girl, did you listen to Sinister Sightings and what about the one that was walking and that person stopped and she like went to her neighbor's house that was a cop, you know? And I was like, did you think about us? And she was like, oh my God, yes. Like, holy shit. And I was like, you know, all I can think about, and we, like, at the same time, we're like, that guy. Because I know I've said it before, this motherfucker was a vampire, and you <laughs> cannot tell me different. I really believe that motherfucker was off the ground. Like, me and Tiffany both saw him, and then we didn't hear him, like, he was, like, far back. We're, like, walking, walking, like, it's fine, it's fine, just keep your pace. And then that motherfucker were like zoomed close. And when we looked back, the ground, like you could see, I don't know how much is that? Three inches. Off the ground. <laughs> and so. That is, so our friendship <laughs> just bundled up right there. She's holding her fingers up and goes, how big is that? Because <laughs> again, I don't know math. I don't know any. Oh, while it's like seven and I'm like I don't know an inch and a half I don't know like I could just make shit up and she's like oh, okay three inches <laughs> yes, yes um but I was telling Tiffany and I was like remember we went through the church because we were like they can't come through the church like and so we went there but she forgot that he came because again okay there's coincidences but then there's shit that's like that's fucking weird because that night had never seen that guy, right? That night he came over to my house and I was on the couch, you know, watching TV as I do. And my brother answered the door and he was with another friend. And I swear to God, like they stood there and like one of them went to come and my brother was like, yeah, come on in. Yeah, come on in. Because again, this guy had never been to our house ever. And me and him locked eyes. And I know he was probably thinking, 
what is that big girl looking at me for like that? But I was like, my brother just invited in the vampire. Like, the same day? Yeah, that's 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 fucking creepy. And that he, like, stayed there, and my brother said, yes, come on in. And then we made eye contact, and I was like, oh, shit. When he got to my brother's room, I was like... And I oop, went down to Tiffany's house and I was like, he's in my house. Meanwhile, we're going to die. Fuck your brother. He's he, every man for himself. He could be dying of a neck puncture wound in his room. <laughs> You're running down to Tiffany's. Hell yeah, because uh, you invited him in. So wait, why does he have to be a vampire to have floated? Well, because that's just what it was. <laughs> because he was really fast and like really, I don't know. Was he pale? He was. Did he have a trench coat on? I picture a trench coat. Every time y'all tell this story, I picture a trench coat. He did. And so that was even more weird because it was like, again, that's normally like on the ground, you know, Mm -hmm. close to the ground. They're not normally on the ground. Well, for me, they are, okay? Well, for a a (laughs) typical trench coat, it's like (laughs) mid-calf or lower. (laughs) So really, the trench coat was probably a little bit long on him. And he had on like combat boots because it's the 90s. With a trench coat and combat boots, and you just couldn't see it in the dark. No, it wasn't dark. Oh. That's what I'm saying. This was daylight. And I was like, Tiffany, there is not a time that I do not think about this guy. Like, because I'll just be like, that motherfucker was a vampire. Wait, how? If it was daytime, was he out if, if he was a vampire? Girl, did you never watch Vampire Diaries? They have rings and shit. No. They're, they're friends with witches, and they can cast stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> But seriously, like, why do you believe everything you've heard about a vampire then? I don't. Well, then why are you asking me, like, accusing me that he's not a vampire because he's out during the day? Because if you believe in vampires, then you believe the things about them. And we were talking about it over dinner, and uh, I was like, girl, seriously, I always will think about him just, like, randomly, like, what is he doing? How did we not die? Like, really? What are the chances that we see this guy have a weird interaction where we assume he's a vampire? Did you ever see him again? No. Do you know what his name is? No. Okay, I have something else to say to you. Now, this one I know is not real, okay? Vampire, very much real. Like, seriously, I feel it in my bones. This one, not real. (laughs) But yesterday, I went to take my trash out, and it's like a little bit of a walk like down the driveway. Well, it had been raining. For the first time in like three months? Yes. Well, my trash can is old and it needs to be replaced. It's it's had its last leg. Because, you know, like when they pick it up, they just like throw it down and yeah. all the things. Well, I'm dragging it. And, you know, like I drag it all the way down and I have uh, gravel for the road. What? Driveway. I get to the end and I was thinking because I was in like some short shorts and it tank top and this guy came by like because again i live on a road that's not like terry's road okay everyone knows everyone and i was like oh i don't know what he saw because he might have seen some things i don't know but about that time like i like moved the because like i'm dragging it down so i like turn it around so it's facing the road and about that time like i'm in my thought of him like making fun of myself being like oh my god what did he see this morning the wheels must have just been wet just the right amount because it has never made this sound. But I almost peed myself because it sounded like little kids laughing. What? Like out of the blue. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm preoccupied. What if someone's behind me? Like I spun around. It was so creepy. It almost sounded like the kids' laughter and that phasmophobia that I play. 
that's again it's not like the cute sound it's like yeah that's a kid laughing but there's no kid y'all i fucking tripped myself out on that and i was like i fucking heard that like that that like it stopped me in my tracks you know (sighs) i was like fucking garbage like literal and figuratively you almost said like figaro or something figaro Because this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And y'all, I have benefited from doing therapy with BetterHelp so very much. And I was very hesitant to start therapy at first. And you know what? BetterHelp was a sponsor and I was like, let's give this a try. And I'm so glad that I did. So if you are thinking about it or don't know what the heck it is, it's time for you to try BetterHelp. So what is it? Obviously, it is online therapy. It comes in many forms. What you do is you take a quiz online and that asks questions like your preferences for your therapist. What do you want to work on in therapy? If things like religion are important to you as part of your therapy, it gets all this information from you and then helps you get matched with a licensed therapist that meets your needs. And like Carrie said, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So for me personally, every Tuesday, get off work and I do therapy at 545 whenever I get home. Or if I'm like running late from work and I can't do it at home, I can do it on my phone because all you need is the app. I can do it on a phone, a laptop, whatever I need to do to be able to get my therapy session in. And also, if you don't want to do face-to-face, you can do text. Right. You can do a phone call. You can do messaging. You can do a video call. They even have group therapy. And if you're just not feeling your therapist that you got matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which is huge for me. Although I love my therapist and I don't want to change, but just knowing that I can change and it not cost and it not be a thing with oh, well, you can't change providers within this, you know, this therapy practice or whatever. It's not, it's not like that. You can change it at any point so that you can find somebody that you really jive with that's going to give you the most benefit for your time in therapy. Also, fall is here. The weather's changing. All the things, I don't know about y'all, but it does get me in a mood. Like, I'm just more melancholy during the fall. So with the seasons changing and holidays coming up, all of that, it's a perfect time for you to start therapy. So why not give BetterHelp a try? Head on over to betterhelp.com APC to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash APC for 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. Y'all, Lumi is back. And it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, I want to smell like my toasted coconut self, okay? And I wear Lumi all the time. It's just the added bonus that I know I'm going to smell good no matter the situation. If I get nervous, because we all know that I have anxiety and I've started a new job and I will just be sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, but then I can just like waft my shirt up a little bit and I smell the toasted coconut and I'm okay. And that's because Lumi is a whole body deodorant. It is for your pits, privates, and beyond. Lumi deodorant was created by an OBGYN who was like, this underarm smell can happen 
all over the place. So Lumi is a pH optimized deodorant that is clinically proven to provide odor control everywhere for up to 72 hours. And we mean everywhere. Pits, underboobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, vulvas, feet, everywhere. And you don't just have to have toasted coconut. There's plenty of other smells and even non-scented options. When I first bought Lumi, this was long before they were podcast sponsors, I got the unscented. I got me and Colby a stick of the unscented like deodorant sticks that I would use like in between my legs if I was wearing like a dress or something. Just, you know, give me a little added protection in the undercarriage. But it's even safe for your balls. So that's why I got Colby a stick too. Because it do be getting hot in there. (laughs) Yeah, no one likes sweaty balls. But also, it's not just deodorant either. They have body wash. They have lotion. They have body wipes. They got the whole shebang for your whole shebang. And unlike some deodorants that just mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated to stop the odor before it starts. Think like pre-odorant. It's aluminum-free, baking soda-free, and paraben-free. And you know, like we said, pH balance, so it's safe to use in your undercarriage. And it will control odor for up to 72 hours. So think, you're on a vacay and you're stuck at the airport because you're trying to get to your family over the holidays and you can't shower? You're going to be wishing you had some Lumi. New customers can get 5% off a Lumi starter pack with code CREEP at LumiDeodorant.com. Basically, that's 40% off a starter pack. So go to LumiDeodorant.com, L-U-M-E Deodorant.com, insert promo code CREEP, and that'll get you $5 off your Lumi starter pack. A starter pack comes with a solid stick of deodorant, a cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice. So like the mini body wash, the deodorant wipes we talked about, plus free shipping. So if you want $5 off of this Lumi starter pack, which is essentially 40% off, you gotta go to LumiDeodorant.com and use promo code CREEP. Okay, so if you haven't noticed, we haven't really talked about what's been going on in October for Halloween, because you know, we usually do like 13 or 31 nights of Halloween. And well, this year, it ain't happening. This year, I started that new job and it's still like my brain is mush by the end of the day. I'm still in my training phase and it's so hard, but I'm so fulfilled. And you love the job. Like you're not bashing anything. No, yeah, I love the job. It's just you're still learning and like get the ropes and meet new people. And it's hard when you start a new job and you're having to learn a new everything. Yeah. So just having the extra time to do the podcast and stuff, it's a little hard right now. And I just have a weird schedule. So we're just having to, you know, move things around. We're just having to find our groove. And it just happens to be in October that these growing pains are happening. So I really hope y'all understand. And I mean, I fall on this sword because I just cannot do it this year. That's okay. I know. Remember that year I tried to take a test in October and do it? We were doing 31 Nights Halloween and I failed. Literally failed the test. Yeah. It is a lot lot of work. So we totally, totally understand. And hopefully y'all understand. And, uh, but we are still plugging away, doing 
all the episodes every week and Patreon. And know, too, that we did see some feedback about Sinister Sightings being a little bit shorter. But, uh, y'all, we're running out of stories. So we had to cut down. Instead of doing eight stories an episode, we're doing six. And so just depending on how long those stories are depends on how long the episode is. So we did, they are shorter, but they had to be because we're going to run out of stories and not be able to do an episode at all. So send your shiz in, please. (laughs) Yes. And like she said, it just depends on the stories. And literally when I'm picking them, I go in order. In order. So if it's a lot of long ones, we've had really long episodes. If it's a lot of short ones, they're shorter, you know, but it's only two stories that we're not doing, you know, one for me, one for Carrie. So I really hope y'all can understand that too. But keep in mind, there's still Patreon. And, you know, we got some Patreoners to shout out too, because these people are getting an extra episode a week. So if you're like, you know what, I want a little more than the episode and the Sinister Sightings, well, hop on over to Patreon, join it, see what's going on, because you are going to get an extra episode a week. So thank you so much, Misty D from Ohio. Carly W. from Wisconsin. And Chelsea A. from Question Mark. We need your address if you want your thank you letter and stickers. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon, and thank y'all all for supporting us in literally all the ways, Patreon and Instagram and Facebook and literally all the ways that you can support us aside from Patreon. But yeah. if you want an episode's shout out and all the bonus content that they're getting, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Also, we just started something new on Patreon where Carrie's doing the 50 states. So like one state at a time and she's doing a crime. For each of them. I mean, I'm not doing it. I'm telling y'all the story. Yeah. <laughs> She's not a criminal yet. But I think I liked Creep Mom's name. State of Murder. A State of Murder. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. 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 We've had some really good... Because we had to send out the help signal because I can't say sinister sightings too many more times and <laughs> yeah. I cannot name something anymore, okay? And y'all had some great ideas. So thank y'all for that. Yeah. So TBD on what we're going to name that one. But also know that we love October and we are working on other stuff for y'all. Yeah. So we are working on stuff and we'll have little happies and things like that. It just won't be the full-fledged 13 nights of Halloween. So again, this year, we're not good planners, okay? And then it just, I thought I was invincible and I'm not, okay? I'm sorry. Well, I could have told you that. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't have believed you. Okay, so the story I chose to do today is because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I saw a statistic on Google from the API that said that 35% of all murders of women are reported to be committed by an intimate partner. And that 55% of all homicides are um, domestic violence related. But I think some other statistics that get kind of swept under the rug when it comes to domestic violence is that 43% of lesbian women are victims of domestic violence, 26% of gay men. And literally, it just goes on and on and on for everyone who is part of the LGBTQIA population, and especially a person of color within that population. And that, that last little bit came from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So my story today is going to talk about a woman who is trans and, of course, domestic violence. It's so sad to hear those numbers, those statistics. Well, and, you know, especially for people who are trans, their ability to, like, seek shelter and all is significantly diminished because, 
you know, if they are transitioning and they want to go into the, the shelter of who they identify as, sometimes they're not able to do that because those shelters can't provide them the resources and the safety that they need. So it's a serious issue. So this story is about Josie Barrios. So Josie was assigned male at birth, and she was born April 28th of 1989. Is that still Aries? I think so. I don't know. I'm an Aries, and I'm April 11th. (laughs) I know. I know what the fuck you are. No, it's Taurus. Everyone's, like, yelling at their thing. It's a Taurus! I'm like, oh, I love a Ford. So... (laughs) I'm you such and your a humor. <laughs> like, why am I like this? I, I drive know. a Toyota. <laughs> like, caring humor is worse than dad jokes. It's so bad. Like, why was that not even funny? <laughs> so, Josie was actually adopted by her biological uncle and his wife. I really honestly don't know much about Josie's biological parents, but I do know that she was African American and Hispanic. It's said that when Josie was younger, she was very put together. Like she was always dressed to a T, was a very creative child, really into fashion. But even growing up, they say that Josie and her parents had never even, they didn't even know what transgendered was. They had never even heard of it. Josie was really trying to navigate this world, not really like understanding and really just kind of being herself, but not being able to put a label on things that she was going through. But Josie did get teased a lot as a kid because she always wanted to play with dolls and she really loved Ariel from The Little Mermaid. And was like wanted that for Christmas. And her family was actually seemed to be pretty supportive of that. Like her aunt was quoted saying like, why am I going to make her feel like she's doing something wrong just because she wants a doll, you know? I loved Ariel too. But in life, I turned out to be more Ursula. Oh, absolutely. Josie was fun loving and just kind of the life of the party, like really outgoing like she was in the she was in the theater and so you just the personality that you would expect to go along with someone who was very theatrical in that way but conversely that also could kind of get her in trouble sometimes sometimes she was loud and which annoys me but you get what I'm saying like it was too much she was like in therapy and and all of that because she was having a hard time which I hate though when people are like they're loud so it's a problem because we're loud but You get what I'm saying. Yes, she could be disruptive. Yes. But I don't think school was really for Josie. So she eventually went to train with the Job Corps to do more of a a trade school versus like a standard education. But by going to this program, she was able to leave her smaller town that she was in and start to really kind of learn some things about her and who she was and kind of explore I do want to back up a little bit too and talk about that when Josie was 10, she'd done a drawing that in the drawing, it was of her being sexually abused. And so I think that some of her behaviors and all that she was like getting help with and like her quick to anger and outbursts and that kind of thing were more because of her abuse that she had been through. I never saw who it was by, 
But it seems like there's a lot of holes in the story about the things that Josie had been through. Like some articles would talk about how before, you know, again, she is a person of color and the school that she went to was predominantly white. And so she got teased a lot as part of that. But I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of holes in the story about like what led to some things. And two, like, so this all happens in Ithaca, New York. And some of the holes for me is, so she went away for the trade school, but then came back and was like, kind of bouncing between jobs at like Dunkin', Subway, stuff like that. And nothing to do with the trade. I don't even know, like, did she actually finish the trade school? Because some stuff mentioned cosmetology school. And then we know that she kind of dabbled in some drugs as a way to self-medicate. So it seems like there was some trouble at home because eventually one article said that her parents kicked her out and another one just made it sound like, oh, she you know moved away to the trade school and that's where the story continues. But I think she had moved home because one of the articles I found talked about how she had brought some men home with her. And that because the parents had younger kids, they were like, this is not safe. You can't just bring random people home. Because what I gathered that was never explicitly said on in some of the articles was that she was doing some sex work too to maybe buy some drugs and just make it through. So they were like, you can't just bring people home. And so they kicked her out in order to protect their younger children. That's so hard. Like, what do you do? I, I don't understand because... You want to provide for all your kids, but yeah, I mean, I understand them doing that because yeah, that's not safe. No, it's not. Just in for any, anyone. Yeah. yeah. So because Josie's working some of these, you know, minimum wage jobs, she's just not able to afford steady housing. So there are times where she's homeless. Overall, though, it seemed like Josie her entire life was just looking for love and acceptance through friends, through family, but she had, you know, she had went through the sexual assault, through her transitioning, through everything. It just seemed like that was ultimately what she was looking for. And unfortunately, she was willing to accept things in people that wasn't necessarily the best for her because that's what she was looking for. I feel that. Oh, for sure. We have all been there. And that really is a vulnerable place. Josie started dating a guy named Michael Davis. Her friends did not like him. Like, from the jump, they were like, this guy is really shitty. You do not need to be with him. But Josie had just broken up with another guy and was transitioning into this relationship pretty quickly because, again, she's searching for that. And we all know somebody who, you know, is constantly in a serial monogamist because that's what they're looking for. And it wasn't hard for Josie to find people because she was so great. You know, her friends talk about that she was so empathetic and forgiving and generous and all these things that people want to latch on to. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the wrong kind of people. Well, and, you know, Josie did what she could for Michael to help him kind of get back on his feet because he hadn't been out of prison for very long. So she actually helped him get a job at this construction site doing security. But the thing about Michael Davis is that he had a really bad past. 
like I said, he hadn't been out of prison long. He had 40 different arrests and 26 convictions in New York State. Holy shit. He had convictions for things like aggravated harassment, misdemeanor assault. So you can see where this is going. Yeah. Josie's friends talked about how much they did not like Michael because they knew that he had a history of being violent with his girlfriends. And not just behind closed doors. One of his ex-girlfriends, he literally choked in public. And statistically, we know that if someone strangles their partner, that is like the precursor to murder. Like if they get to the point where they strangle you, they are going to kill you. Gosh. I, of course, don't have the statistics on hand, but that is like a, that right there is a huge statistic of you know, obviously all physical, uh, emotional, financial, sexual, all of that abuse is bad. But if they get to the physical point where they put their hands around you and strangle you, you have to get out. Always get out. But that is, they're going to escalate. Yeah. One of Josie's friends just described Michael as being very insecure. And so that is what like increased his rage. Like if his girlfriend you know, looked at somebody or talked to somebody or whatever because of his insecurities, he would rage. He was also super manipulative and controlling. So, of course, we know with abusers, they want to get people alone, isolated, so that they can control them in a way without other people bringing it to light. Right. And Michael also did drugs. So, you know, there were times where he was significantly more aggressive than others. God, my stomach hurts already. I know. I know. This this story is bad. Now, a lot of this comes from the Ithaca Journal and um, Insider.com. They had a lot of the same information, but those were two really good articles that you can read and see some of the, the quotes from her family and friends. But one of her friends told police way later that she actually confronted Michael Davis because she had found out that he had choked and slapped Josie. And so she was like, absolutely not. Like, do not fucking touch her again. And when she confronted him with that, he told her that he was going to kill her. And so she punched him. Holy shit. One of Michael Davis's ex-wives later told police too about how she was so terrified of him because he told her that he was going to build an explosive device to make her disappear. In 2008, Michael Davis started telling people that he had actually killed a woman. Now, that's, this is before this story takes place. Her name was Michelle Morey. She was 29 years old, and she had actually been found in this room that had caught on fire, and she died of smoke inhalation. Oh, my gosh. Now, the police looked into this. And they couldn't prove anything. Like, he told people he did this, but there was literally no proof that he did. So that case actually remains unsolved to this day. Oh, my gosh. Now, Michael Davis had his own shit. I mean, you know that most abusers experienced some form of abuse in their life. And he did. You know, his attorneys later said that he experienced, quote, unspeakable physical sexual abuse at the hands of his stepfather and his stepfather's friends. Oh, fuck. So it's like part of you has a little bit of empathy for 
little Michael Davis. Yeah. Because it sounds like he really did go through a lot. But also, adult Michael Davis has to be held accountable for the way that he's treating people. Exactly. So we know that there was physical abuse regularly in their relationship. And there were times that Josie did try to leave. But when she would, Michael Davis wouldn't do the whole, like, I'm sorry, I'll do better. He didn't do that. He would stalk her and do everything he could to scare her into coming back. And when she would come back, he would do everything in his power to continue to isolate her from her friends and family so that he could gain more control over her life. We know for a fact that he threatened to kill her at least three times. Her friends would tell Josie, you have got to get away from him. He's going to kill you. And she would respond and just say, I know. And it's so heartbreaking. The cycle of abuse, we know that she had to have felt like she could not get out of that situation. Yeah, literally, because he would stalk her. He would do all the things. It didn't matter. He was going to do something bad to her. It didn't matter if she was with him or without him. And like we talked about at the very beginning of this, think of what her resources are and what her abilities to be able to go to shelters or whatever were. Right. Even if she could have gone home to her parents, again, she had younger siblings. And what if he came there and all that? So I'm sure those are things that she was thinking about. Of She didn't want to put her family in danger with him coming there. So, I mean, she's just having to deal with this all on her own. Well, on June 12th of 2017, Josie called one of her friends that night at like 1130. She said that she had been fighting with Michael Davis. She wanted her friend to come get her. Well, her friend was like, let me send you some money so that you can get a cab so that you can leave. But Josie didn't want to do that. And so she didn't leave. Remember, I told you that Josie had helped Michael Davis get a job at that construction site where he was like working security. So on this night, she had gone to work with him, which she does a lot. And she goes up to the sixth floor to like hang out and kind of sleep while he goes around and does his checks at night. Well, while she was asleep, he locked her in the room. He doused the room in fuel and set it on fire with her locked inside. Oh my gosh. Which is very reminiscent of what he's already allegedly done. We know one time and then the alleged other time. Yeah. He literally burned her alive. According to the medical examiner, she died of burns and smoke inhalation. Her body was found pretty quickly the next day. Well, think like late at night slash early morning. So technically the same day because it, you know, we're talking like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So of course, police go to the security guard who's supposed to be watching everything. Right. And he says that he didn't do anything. Police were like, you clearly did because we have a plethora of evidence against you. They had found a duffel bag. And it had a lighter and just like shit. Yeah, like the arson 101. Right. So there was video footage from like the surveillance cameras that showed him coming in to work with that bag like way earlier. And like it was like had his company logo on it. Like it's literally obviously him with this bag way earlier leaving it there. And then after the murder and he's leaving for work, like, no bag. So, like, you left your bag there, buddy. Then the motherfucker went home and told his roommate he had killed someone. 
Well, he's gotten away with it before. True, 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 true. But said that he did something to the body so that the police wouldn't be able to identify him. Oh, God. But in March of 2018, Michael Davis pled guilty to second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 25 years to life, which is the most that he could be sentenced to with that. And at first, I was like, why in the hell did he get second-degree murder? Like, this was clearly premeditated, but I think it was just part of, like, a plea deal for him because I don't know if first-degree murder would have had, like, a mandatory death penalty or life in prison or whatever. So they probably were like, okay, we'll give you second-degree murder, 25 to life, but, bro, you staying in for life. I certainly hope so, at least. I hope so, too. I just wonder, clearly now we have a pattern. But, again, he he's in jail for the rest of his life. But we have a pattern. Like, could we not prove that he did Michelle's murder with this pattern now? Right. But, I mean, it may be enough for her family to say, like, okay, we know he did this. He spent the rest of his life in prison. So, you know, sometimes they'll be like, let's not put the family and all that through a trial. Like, he did it. Yeah. It's like not the justice they want. Like, it's not for their daughter. But it's kind of like a byproduct. Yes. Okay, before we start talking more about this story... We got to talk about HelloFresh. And y'all know how much we love HelloFresh. We've talked about it many times before and talked about how we used this way before they became sponsors of the podcast. The seasons are changing and so are the recipes on HelloFresh. But guess what's not changing? The fact that it is delivered straight to your door. That is my favorite thing through and through about it. Also, that there's no waste. So true. So if you want... All the time meals, seasonal meals with chef crafted recipes, like Donna said, that are shipped straight to your door. HelloFresh is for you. And we've talked about now that I have a new job, my schedule is crazy and I'm having to figure out what to do for dinner, what to do for lunch at different times than I ever have had to do before. So HelloFresh comes in clutch here because they have quick and easy meals, they have meals that I can cook at home that are vegetarian, because you know I don't like uncooked meat, really. But I can have that for lunch the next day and everything like that. It's so convenient. You could decide whether you want meals for two, for four, however many people are in your family. You can tailor HelloFresh just for you. Like Donna said, your meal choices can be tailored. Do you want quick and easy? Do you want family friendly? Do you want vegetarian? Do you want just to get some food on the table for you and your family? With 15-minute meals, they've got it. And again, delivered to your door. Everything is pre-portioned, like I mentioned, so there's no waste. Because being a single girl, that I felt like I was wasting a lot. HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but it also helps you save money. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and is 25% less expensive than takeout. That means it's less stress in your day and more money in your pocket. And let me just say that they have barbecue pulled pork nachos and mini pumpkin cheesecake. Did you hear my stomach? Because it's growling. So you got to get in on this by going to HelloFresh.com slash 50creep and use code 50creep for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50creep. And use code 50CREEP for 50% off plus free shipping straight to your door. 
HelloFresh is so awesome because you get to try new recipes that you would never have known how to try without HelloFresh. And like Donna said, one more time for those seats in the back, it ships directly to your door. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50creep and use promo code 50creep for 50% off plus free shipping. Y'all, Care Of is back. And why do we love it, Donna? Because they care of me and you and all of us. And they ship high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every single month. I don't have to put a bra on to get my supplements, please. And you know what? What's even better to me is that Care Of provides you with doctor back recommendations based on the information that you provide in a quiz for like what your goals are, for your health and all of that, so that you know exactly what you need in order to live your best life. They take the guesswork out of it for you. Yeah. So what's your goal? Are you wanting to feel more energetic, more focused? Like, What are your health goals? You take this quiz, which you can retake at any time. So if your goals change, retake the quiz and you're going to get this doctor backed program designed for you. The other thing is that your vitamins come in individual packages like for the day. So you can have them on the go. You can throw them in your purse. You can take them very easily on trips because they're all in these prepackaged daily little, well, packets. Exactly. And that's perfect for the upcoming travel season of holidays. And it has your name on it. And I love a personalization. Me too. I think it's because we're in the South. We love everything monogrammed. True. But we really love Care Of. But don't worry, because those individual daily packets that you're getting are made with plant-based compostable film that helps limit the impact on the environment, you know, without compromising on the quality and the safety of the products. I feel like it's so hard if you don't have a quiz that helps you have these doctor-backed recommendations of what you're actually supposed to take. Like, how do you know that? You know, because there's so many different vitamins. And when you go to like the pharmacy and you're just looking at this aisle and you're like, I mean, thank you for putting in alphabetic order, but I still don't know what any of it means. Exactly. But that's why Care is so great. Because like I said, it takes the guesswork out. Absolutely. So if you want in on this, which you should, You've got to go over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. That's TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. So get those fingers ready to type it in. TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Take Care Of order. All right. My turn, and you know it's spooky season, so I wanted to do something that spooks people. And well, for me and Carrie, we all know that's people in full costumes. So the bunny rabbit at the mall that I waved at that I'll never wave at again, mascots at games. It's just that weird fear of who is behind the mask, who is that person that I'm allowing to get very close to me, and I don't know them. That is... So very true. And so that led me to the story of the Bunny Man Bridge. Now, this does fall under the umbrella of urban legend. So there's some variations of the origin story. But what doesn't change is the local lore of Bunny Man Bridge. 
So locals believe that on Halloween night, that's not too far away, if you go down that one lane tunnel on Colchester Road beneath the bridge, you stand there, you say his name thrice, much like Bloody Mary or Rose with Miami. I made that joke on our Facebook group just the other day. Did you? Yes. I don't know. I said something thrice. I was like, insert Golden Girls reference. That's funny. So once you finish saying Bunny Man for the third time, he will appear holding an axe or a hatchet because someone's like me and they don't know the difference, okay? I think one's smaller, (laughs) but they don't know. So it's always like he was holding an axe. No, he was holding a hatchet, you know, that kind of thing. But there's nowhere for you to run, nowhere to hide, and he will slash your throat and hang you from the top of that bridge. Oh my God, very gruesome. Right. So I do have a question about this though, because they say at the stroke of midnight, one stroke is very sexual to me. And I always like have to talk about that with like, if we're doing something with marketing And it's like the stroke of the font and everything. And I am a 13-year-old boy and I laugh so fucking hard. Yes, you are. But I would too. (laughs) But anyway, the stroke of midnight on Halloween night is when you're supposed to go to the bridge, say his name three times and, you know, die. But I'm like, okay, this is why I can't do it. One, I'm a scaredy cat. But two, I'm like, so if it's at the stroke of midnight on Halloween, would that not be technically the next day? Technically, yes. So, like, I I don't know. I'm just like, so are you meaning 12 a.m. on Halloween? Or you mean 12 a.m. going into the next day? Right, which would technically be November 1st. Yeah, like, I don't know. So, I take the fun out of that. Um, (laughs) It just sounds good at the stroke of midnight on Halloween. Right. Let's look into the origin of this man who is supposedly a killer who wears a bunny costume. And he is Virginia's boogeyman. So picture it. Fairfax County, Virginia, early 1900s, like 1905. And more specifically, it's in this town called Clifton. Now, it's a small town. Everything was going well until the city built a mental institution. Now, some of the locals thought this was a blight on their town's good name. Oh, Jesus. Right. So they worked tirelessly to get this relocated, to have its doors closed, whatever they could do. Because they didn't feel safe with, quote, insane people being so close to them. Gross. Mm-hmm. So the citizens petitioned their little hearts out, and finally the city yielded to their request and decided to shut down the asylum and transfer the patient's to the prison, like, that was a town or two over. Oh, because, oh, Jesus Christ, I, I can't. Right, I'm, I literally wrote, because, you know, that seemed reasonable to them. So the patients were scheduled to be moved on a certain day, and when they were being transferred, they got into a car accident. Now, some articles said it was, like, with a train, and I don't know if they were traveling by train or if a train hit them. But I just heard accident. I don't believe anyone was killed. And all of the patients were accounted for, well, all but two. Marcus Walster and Douglas Griffin. And wouldn't you know it, old Dougie Doug was someone with a dark past. So they both hid out deep in the nearby woods. And police searched and searched but could never find them. Now what they did start finding were bunny carcasses 
hanging from trees in the forest, and then some hanging off the Colchester Road Bridge. What the hell did a bunny do to anybody? Right? But still, they couldn't locate the two escaped mental patients. Until one day, they were no longer finding bunny carcasses. Instead, they found the body of Marcus Walster hanging from the bridge's tunnel. Now, in one variation, it said that there was a note pinned to him, and it said, I am the bunny man. But I only saw that like one place, and it might not have said that exactly. It was something about the bunny man. But I feel like they just tacked that on. Like, yeah, you know. But they were never able to find Douglas. And some say he never left the wooded area and always stalks that bridge. And then that Halloween, some teens were out just doing teen shit, you know, and they became the next victims of the bunny man. Their bodies were hung from the bridge with their guts ripped open. Oh, my God. And over the years, many local teens would go to that bridge and would never be seen alive again. Either they would be missing or, again, being hung from that bridge. Now, no one was ever able to capture Douglas. And even after a long time where he had to have passed by then, his spirit is still thought to haunt those grounds. So who is Douglas Griffin, this man who's on the loose? He was a man who had dressed up for Easter as a bunny. And, you know, he was celebrating with his wife and his kid. Everything was going great until it wasn't. And he murdered his kid and his wife while still wearing the bunny suit. Oh, my God. So hence the bunny man. Now, he was found criminally insane and locked away in that mental institution until they were transferred. Like I said, this is an urban legend, so none of that's ever been proven. So there's a historian named Brian Conley, and he wrote an article called The Bunny Man Unmask. And so, you know, how we always say, the fact is scarier than fiction. Brian wanted to look into why people would say that the bunny man had slaughtered his family. So he was like, okay, what if this really does stem from a person? He was like, all right, let me go through these records. So he scoured all the sources and saw all the crime in the area. And out of that area, he found three that could fit kind of the bunny man theory. First was Francis and June Holober. Now this happened in February of 1949. Frances was 37 years old, and her daughter June was eight months old. Now, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but just know that they were driving with her estranged husband, and they started fighting after the car started having some trouble, like it got stuck in the mud on the side of the road. Now, Frances took June, and she started walking away, and she never returned. But then their bodies were found in a shallow grave by a nudist lodge, that the husband attended. Frances was beaten and then shot to death in the head and the heart. Oh my God. And June was buried alive. (gasps) And of course, the husband, Charles was his name. He later confessed after being like, no, no, no. And he said that, yeah, he had been planning it for three weeks, but he wasn't going to notify anyone of them missing until later 
So maybe the shallow grave wouldn't have been such a like, oh, that's weird, you know? Yeah. Um, but his car got stuck in the mud on the side of the road. And oh my God. so he had to tell them because it was just like, no, he was like right here. You know, yeah. like people saw all the things. And so he was charged with murder. He was found guilty and he was sent to a mental institution to serve out his sentence. So there were definitely similarities in that real life crime. But no bunny costume, so like, why was the bunny man? You know, so it was like, eh, probably not this one. But also, I didn't even think about it, but she died at the hand of domestic violence as well. Yeah. Now, the second murder consisted of three people, Minnie Ridgway and her two daughters, Loretta and Catherine. One morning in March 1927, a man came over to their house and he was like, hey, I'm here to see your husband, you know? And she's like, oh, he's not home. And that's when he forced his way inside, beat her until she was unconscious. And then he also attacked her two daughters who were only seven and five. Oh my God. And then he stole money and left. Well, a neighbor heard moaning and groaning and the commotion. So they went over. Everyone was taken to the hospital. But unfortunately, her two daughters died and Minnie survived, which not unfortunate that she survived. I'm just saying unfortunate that she lost her two daughters. And the good thing is that Minnie was able to ID the murderer. And so he was imprisoned. So this one didn't ring true because, you know, the wife slash mother survived this. And also he wasn't sent to a mental institution. Then the third crime was in August of 1918, and a 14-year-old girl named Eva Roy had left to tend to her father's cows. She was late getting home from doing her chores, so her father went to look for her. Couldn't find her, and so he was like, hey, kind of got like the neighbors to search with him. And neighbors found Eva hanged from a tree by her own apron. Oh, my God. Yes. And a coroner found that she had been brutally assaulted before being strangled to death. Golly, this story's terrible. Right? So, again, this was a terrible murder, but didn't fit the narrative. And so that was ruled out, too. And so Brian really was like, I, I don't fucking know where this came from. But he was a longtime resident and he's like, I always grew up hearing this story and it was just kind of like, you just took it at face value, you know? But it's like, but why is this happening? Why was the bunny man a thing, you know, if all of this can't be corroborated? But ultimately, what happened, Brian found that there were some incidents that happened that probably spurred this whole tale. On October 19, 1970, there was an Air Force cadet, Robert Bennett, and his fiancée, and they were driving home from a football game, and it was kind of late. Now, they said they were going to stop by Robert's uncle's house, so they pulled into a field beside the uncle's house, but some articles say that they were, like, making out and stuff, so I feel like they, it might be kind of close to the uncle's house, but I don't think they were, like, parking in a field over here. And then going to walk over to the uncle's house. I think they were just getting a little little spice going on before they went to see the uncle or whatever. Like maybe he thought that was a safe place because his uncle lived nearby, but it was late. So no one would see him. I don't know. But they pulled in there and whatever their reason was, either to park there or to like park and make out, they 
couldn't even get out of the car because they noticed something moving in the rear window. And then quickly there was this loud sound and the passenger window was bashed in. Now outside there was a man who started shouting that they were on private property and he took their tag number down and was like threatening them. So he put the pedal to the metal, zoomed away from the field. But that's when they noticed that there was a hatchet on the floorboard. That's what he had bashed the window with. Like he threw it and it landed in the car. So they were like, okay, we have to report this to the police. But the thing is, their description was a man who was wearing a white suit that looked like it had bunny ears on it. So like a large white rabbit. And Robert's fiance was like, okay, I did see that, but not bunny ears. It was more like a pointed hood, which is equally as scary if you, I mean, we all know what she was kind of referring to. Right. But anyway, the police took the information down, but kind of didn't pay much attention to it. Like, oh, okay, a big white rabbit attacked you? Cool. But just a week and a half later, on October 29th, 1970, there was another situation with a man who was wearing a bunny costume. So there was a subdivision that was still under construction. So they had a security guard watch it. Which I did not know that my story was going to like intermingle with yours. But one of his rounds at 1030, he noticed there was someone or something on the porch of one of these houses. And again, it's still under construction, this whole place. So he knew that shouldn't be the case. So he approached, like he left his car to go approach it. But when he got closer, he noticed that it was a man who was in a bunny costume. And their eyes met and the bunny man told him that he was trespassing and that if he came in closer, he would chop the guard's head off, basically. He was like, I'll bust your head in. And I mean, that's pretty scary. Hello. But the bunny man maintained eye contact as he said this threat so matter-of-factly and he started chipping away, like chopping away at one of the porch posts with his hatchet. What in the world? So the guard was like, okay. And he retreated to his car because he had left his gun in the car. Because again, it was the 70s. And, you know, he he probably thought he had a cush job because it's just night watch at a subdivision that's just like under construction. Right. Not a big deal. Not thinking he was going to see a freaking scary movie come to life. Yeah. Well, so he went back to his car, but by the time he like went back to the house, the bunny man had vanished. Now he said he looked to be like 20 something, like five, nine, not super big or anything. How would he have known his age? He's in a bunny costume. I know. Maybe his voice. I have no fucking clue. So there were actual two cases, you know, where A man in a bunny costume had threatened people with a hatchet or an axe, and word spread like wildfire. And when these, like, incidents ran in the paper, and that brought forth 50 more sightings of a man in a bunny costume, hence the name The Bunny Man. So honestly, it's kind of like they took this weird thing and mixed it with some of the other, like, actual crimes that have happened 
that really did shock the town at that time, which I mean, they're heinous crimes, so they would still shock anywhere, you know, no matter what. But I feel like I can just imagine my mom, if she lived back then, she would hold on to those and would be like, oh my gosh, do you remember the day? Yeah. You know, and so I think something that's just so asinine as the bunny man. That is not asinine. That's creepy as fuck. (laughs) With a hatchet. And then it's like, what makes him creepier? Like when you're going to tell this story to someone, you're going to intermingle it with a really bad murder that you remember because that makes it even creepier. And again, especially parents who use the boogeyman to scare their kids. Stop intentionally scaring your kids. (laughs) But the thing is, is that people have said like, you know, you go to this bridge, which is that Colchester Road Bridge. And if you go there, say his name three times, you're going to die. Okay. But people still do it. And if you want to go see the Bunny Man Bridge, all you have to do is type in Bunny Man Bridge and Google knows that location. That's how popular this place is. But for those who want to know, the address is 6497 Colchester Road in Clifton, Virginia. It's about 20 miles outside of Washington, D.C. But just a heads up, if you are thinking about braving it out there on Halloween night, there are cops who patrol the area now because there's so many people that will, you know, gather around and all the things. Yeah. And if you do this, uh, you're doing it on your own. We are not responsible. Exactly. Go at your own will and your own decisions because we don't want none of the part of that shit. Yeah. Now on VirginiaHauntedHouses.com, there is a comment left in 2020. The author said that they and their boyfriend wanted to go to the Bunny Man Bridge for a while. But, you know, again, they're like me and they're like, eh, I'll go later, you know, whatevs. But one night it was storming, their power went out, and they really are just like me. And they're like, oh, we're not going to stay here if there's no power. So they were like, let's just drive around. But they decided to go to Bunny Man Bridge, whereas I would decide to go get ice cream with Marley. Mm-hmm. Somewhere with air conditioner. Well, my car has air conditioning. But normally I'll go to Dairy Queen because it's further away. And by the time I get back home, I really hope that I see lights on when I'm going into my neighborhood. But anyway, they ended up not running into the bunny man. And so you're like, why are you sharing this? But I just thought like it sounded like something that I don't know, just would happen. But also it's more so talking about the bridge area itself. So they had some issues getting to the bridge and had to take a few different detours. And the first time they had to reroute, they pulled off to the side of the road because we have all been there with GPS and it's like recalculating, recalculating, and you just keep driving. And then it's like when it calculates, you have to do a U-turn or something weird. So they just pulled over. Well, there's this car that was behind them. That And I think that's some of the reason they pulled over, too, is like, let's just get out of the way. Let's figure this out. But the car never passed them. And there was nowhere that the car could have went. It just vanished. But they shrugged it off because it's raining. Maybe they didn't see where it went. Maybe, you know, like, who knows? But while they were doing this detour, suddenly a pair of headlights appeared behind them and started tailgating them. So the author and the boyfriend were like, okay, uh, let's get out of this car's way. And so they pulled off to a nearby parking lot. 
Well, when they're waiting for this car to pass, because they're like also waiting to be like, we fucking see this car passing, right? Uh, They noticed that the parking lot was for a church, but it was right near their old cemetery on the church's property. And so that just added to the like the creepy factor. Like, oh, God, we like we pulled over here to feel safer. And then it's just like in the middle of the cemetery. So then when the GPS rerouted them, they had to take a turn down a road called Danger Avenue. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? So when they finally reached the bridge, it was creepy, but it could have been all the weird incidents that happened before. But also it was a cold, dark, stormy night outside. So when they're at the bridge, it's a single lane kind of bridge. You'll see it. I'll show you a picture. It's just like a little tunnel. They call it a bridge because something can go over it. Like the railroad can go over it, but it's a tunnel. They had another weird run-in with a car on that bridge. They said the car was just sitting at the intersection after you leave the bridge. When they're looking to see like, is that person okay? What's going on? All they could do was make out hands on the steering wheel, but they could not see the body of the driver. So they were like, uh, okay. So they went a little bit further and um, they turned around, went back under the bridge and when they did, the car seemed to be acting differently. And there was like a scraping sound under their car. And so they're like, oh, fuck, what have we done? You know, this has turned into a nightmare. Well, soon they figured out what it was because it was a big limb that they had drove over and it got stuck in their undercarriage. Oh, Lord. So they were like, okay, okay. That had us going there for a moment. Like, you almost had us. So then later on their drive home, they're just having fun and kind of like discussing everything. The boyfriend was like, you know what? I was so creeped out that I kept thinking that the mailboxes that we passed were like people. And the author was like, yeah, like that one and like pointed. And when they looked, that mailbox was an actual person. And that person was just standing there, emotionless, expressionless, in the rain, by the road, just standing there. And the person was male, tall, and slim. Now, he wasn't wearing a bunny costume. So they ruled out the bunny man. But they were like, okay, something is definitely weird about that bridge area. Like, something, nothing went right for them that night. And I just wanted to include that. Because one, I just think that is kind of what, like, a scary moment is. It's like these little moments that make you so on edge by the time you see something That, I mean, is out of the ordinary, like this man just standing in the rain on this corner. But, like, it terrifies you so bad because of all the little, like, buildup to it. And, oh, gosh. Anyway. But also, I mean, who knows? The land around the bridge can have energy. Who knows what happened there, you know? But there's been several references to the Bunny Man in film, TV, music. The big one, though, is if you've ever watched Donnie Darko, You might have like this familiar imagery in your head because the bunny man myth was part of the inspiration for that cult classic movie for the character of Frank, I believe. I've never seen it. I was gonna say, I've never seen that. So like, just a little funny aside, like when you Googled your story that one time and it was like, yes, a monkey or an ape. It was on, I think it was on Patreon. No, was it a, it was a story story. Okay. 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 Yes, yes, yes. 
And it was just like so funny because this animal had escaped the zoo so much that like they had to do something. I couldn't remember. But uh, but we had said like anytime we find little funny things that like don't make sense to our story, but like relate somehow, like when we're searching, we would do it. And when I Googled the bunny man, do you want to know what famous person came up? Okay, my first thought was, uh, what's her face's husband on Still Magnolias? But that would, that's too random. <laughs> what the fuck? At Why? At the end, when he's the bunny for oh. Easter. <laughs> that bunny is creepy. Very. Hugh Hefner, the bunny man. Oh, Hugh Hefner. Okay, in my head, I thought Hugh Grant, and I was like, <laughs> was it because he, like, was that what his, the sex worker's name was? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, well, duh. They yes. come of that. Like, I didn't even think about me it. either. <laughs> God, I feel like we're lame. <laughs> we are. But I was looking and it was like the bunny man. And then I like read a little bit. And it was Hugh Hefner. And I was like, oh, you got me. Yeah, not, not that one. Not that one. This one had an axe or a hatchet. He was. That one was just, that one was just problematic. Yes. Well, before we talk any more about Donna's story, we got to talk about Beam Dream Powder. Y'all, it's so good. I'm literally drinking it right now because I know we are wrapping up and you know that it's not going to take me long when this beams me off to dreamland. (laughs) It's so good, y'all. It's so good. It's like a cinnamony hot cocoa. Yes. I mix it with warm milk. At first, I was like, do I warm the milk, Colby? He was like, yes. People drink warm milk all the time. I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) But you can mix it with just hot water, however you want to do it. And it is so good. Honestly, it's a perfect way to end the night. Y'all know how much I love sleep. But it's not just that I love it. I mean, that's most of it. But it's so good for you. And sleeping less than six to seven hours a night is linked to reduced white blood cells, And what do your white blood cells do? They protect you from illness and disease. They help you fight viruses and bacteria and all of that business. Because you know we are both immune compromised. Sleep is literally the foundation to your mental and physical health and your performance during the day. And having a consistent nighttime routine is crucial. The great thing about Beam Dream Powder is you don't wake up feeling sluggish. Right. Dream contains all-natural reishi, magnesium, L-thionine, melatonin, nano-CBD, all of these things to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Like Donna said, not with that like hangover feeling. And if you're scared about CBD, I understand, and there is a non-CBD formula. A recent clinical study showed that Dream helped 93% of the users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. Because that's really the thing. You can sleep for a long time, but if it's not restful, it's null and void. Like I said earlier, all you gotta do is mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or use your frother, which is what I use. I get a little action and enjoy it right before you go to bed. And they have different flavors like sea salt caramel, Cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter. Hello. Better sleep never tasted this good. Literally, what I just had was the cinnamon cocoa and it was so good. That would be so good, like by a fire and then just be able to like 
curl up and go to bed. Yeah, let somebody else handle the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go to sleep. <laughs> Look, find out why Forbes and the New York Times are talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. It's so good. You're going to wake up refreshed. You're going to wake up feeling better because you got a good quality night's sleep. So if you're ready to try Beam, which you should be, you can get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash creep and use the code creep at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash creep and use code creep for up to 40% off. Now Beam has other products too. So if you're just like, well, I don't need help with sleep. They have lots of other powders, okay? We're just saying that this really works for us. And you know, no one needs to fuck with Carrie's sleep. So don't forget, go to shopbeam.com slash creep and use promo code creep at checkout to get up to 40% off and people to stop fucking with your sleep. Your story is literally my nightmare come true. I know. I know. I hate mascots. I know. Again, it's just the whole thing of who is in that costume. They could be and do anything. It's like anything. Yeah. And nobody will know who they are. I know. And like, that's the thing, though, that intrigues me. And I'm like, God, I would love to be the mascot just for a little bit. Because you get to do like the wild stuff, the wacky stuff, the things that would make you embarrassed if you didn't have a costume on. Well, even when we were in college, one of our friends was the mascot, like one of the people who did the mascot for our university. And like a mascot would walk up to us at the football games and stuff. And I'd be like, is that, is that him? You think that's him? Right. Is that him? Like why? They, I feel like they're making eye contact. Is that him? <laughs> yes. And in this past year, my nephew's girlfriend at the time was the mascot at the same university. And like, we'd see the mascot at baseball games. And I'm like, is that her? No, maybe I don't know. She's walking this way. It's got to be her, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, there's nothing to be afraid of except everything. I know. It's because we don't trust people. Not even a little. And I feel like if you wanted to get away with something, what better than a costume that hides everything? And everybody trusts? Yes. I mean, hence a clown and hence John Wayne Gacy. Ooh, don't like that. No. And also, it's just something with, like, the bunny. Like, it's such a wholesome thing, but then you turn it all, like, evil. And it's anything that's, like, a sweet, oh, but then you put that evil twist on it. It's just a little bit more sinister. Well, you did me in with the Easter Bunny. I already was scared of the Easter Bunny. So, we all know that even as a kid, I was really hard to wake up. And that one time my dad told me that the Easter Bunny came to get me out of bed and the Easter Bunny had not come because it was like October. <laughs> that cracks me up. I mean, that is fucking wrong. Okay? <laughs> so wrong. Thanks, dad, for my wrong. drama. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but so I already have some shit with the Easter Bunny because they didn't come <laughs> when I thought they were. But Donna kind of briefly touched on this when she started the story. That time in, I think it was in college then yes. too, when we were at the fucking mall and the Easter Bunny was there and Donna was trying to be, because <laughs> I don't fucking like Easter Bunnies. And she was like, hi, waving to it. And it like followed us all the way around its little cage thing. 
and we had to go hide in a Christian bookstore <laughs> to get away from it so it could be distracted by a kid coming for a picture. <laughs> oh, what would Jesus do? Love that color. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did love those bracelets. I ain't going to lie. But I'm like, uh, don't mind me. We're just hiding from the Easter bunny. Because my friend just had to tease me. <laughs> and it was a Fucking class. Standing there like goddamn Forrest Gump. Being like, hey. <laughs> oh, God. You know he was laughing. Oh, his dying. Ass off. Dying. Because he, you could see the terror all over my face. <laughs> we were like, ha ha. Go, 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 go. I, mean, I, I literally sprinted. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> Golly. Oh, even as a kid, I was terrified of like the mascot of our school. Yeah, I never liked anything like that either. Clowns, like I, I'm hit or miss with clowns. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I really don't like them. But then sometimes I'm like, it's fine. I think if it's like a picture or a movie or something like that, I'm cool. But in real life, I'm like, oh, don't like that. Well, but the thing is, is you can see their face, even though it's like painted. And stuff, you see them, like you can see their eyes and everything. Yeah, you can see more of their like attributes. But it's something about it being in person that's, you know. Yeah. Well, y'all let us know what y'all think about these stories. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. And look, if you or someone that you know is in an unsafe situation with domestic violence, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Or you can text START to 88788. There are resources available for you in your community and online. And please don't suffer in silence. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us and supporting each other in this community. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.